now we are recording, so to everybody who's uh, viewing the recording, welcome to this first uh, interactive session on introduction to software engineering. Uh, let me start by apologizing for not being able to post videos earlier. I still have some production issues that I'm trying to work out, so I do hope I will be able to post downloadable uh, video lectures for you during this week. So uh, this Q&A session uh, will be a substitute for the first downloadable video lecture. We will briefly go into what software engineering is today and why it is important. And uh, then the next lecture, which I hope to post during this week as a video lecture that you can download and view at your own leisure, will be on software process. And if you haven't so far uh, subscribed to uh, become a fan of our Facebook page, uh, please do that. And uh, remember to turn on email notifications in NOPPA. And uh, it would also be fun if you would become a follower on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is probably the most uh, uh, efficient way for you if you have quick small questions that you'd like to ask. I will be hanging on Twitter uh, during most of my days here. So that's a good way of getting answers. That's a good way of getting answers to any and all questions you might have. But if we have no other further questions, uh, let's go into the subject for today, which is a uh, 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 short introduction to the topic of software engineering, what it is and why I think you should care. So let me see now. I'm trying to share my slides for you. So now I hope you, you can see the slides. So the topic of today is the what and why of software engineering. So first of all, uh, perhaps each, each one of you might think about why software is important. Why should we be interested in studying uh, how to build software? And why is software important today? Just think about it for a few minutes or seconds. So if you start thinking about software, one thing, uh -huh, I'm going in the wrong direction here, sorry. <laughs> let's try again. So let's try again. So uh, you might come up with the idea that software is idea that software is crucial to the modern society. It's difficult uh, to think of a, 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 a day in a normal life in a modern society in which most of the things we actually do wouldn't involve software somehow. As you know, software is embedded in most uh, electronics that we use today. They are software is in cars, in cellular phones, in cellular phones, phones, uh, even perhaps in posters, wherever. Much of what we do, uh, in particular if we work in offices, is made possible by software. And if we buy something, all monitoring transactions, or most of them typically, are handled by complex software systems. All cashiers, uh, machines and cashier systems are software based. So software is totally crucial to the way our, software, our society works today. And another, of course, important point is that software is also an extremely big and lucrative business. Both in and of itself, uh, to build and sell software can be extremely profitable and you can, as a company, grow extremely, as a company, grow extremely fast. Typical examples, of course, would include companies like Microsoft, Oracle, uh, why not F-Secure in Finland, which are, would be 
typical software companies that uh, build and sell proprietary software and, re and related services. And of course, then we have another interesting phenomenon related to uh, phenomena related to open source software companies uh, like MySQL, uh, Red Hat, and so on have also been able to make business of software that essentially is free. So there are lots of different business models that can make software a uh, very lucrative business. And of course, software uh, is big business also as a supporting technology for different kinds of businesses. So software is everywhere. And it's important both from an economic point of view and also from the point of view of making society work today. So I think we should be really care about software. Software, however, if you think of it, is different from much uh, of, uh, of uh, typical products that we develop. Software isn't manufactured. And this has deep implications for the act of developing software. Instead, software is engineered. It's something that is developed once. The actual manufacturing of software might be spreading it over the internet, distributing it over the internet, or making CDs, whatever. But the actual software uh, doesn't require a manufacturing system. Software also doesn't wear out. It doesn't matter how many times we start the same program, how many times we use a program. It doesn't wear out the same way a typical physical product would do. Would do. However, in most software systems do deteriorate over time, something we will look at uh, in the next slide. Software is also extremely complex. It, for large software systems, uh, it might be fair to say that no single individual are able to understand to understand all parts uh, and the, the workings of a big software system. Software can quickly become extremely complex, making it difficult to understand, to model, to build, to build, to test. Software typically is also subject to change. Uh, we have reasons, various reasons that we need to change software. And this can be very difficult, something we will go into depth into later during this course. Software also typically needs to be conformant to environmental change. When something changes in the environment, the environment here might mean hardware or control systems, whatever. Uh, we typically need to make changes to the software to make it conform to the new situation. Software is also invisible and unvisualizable. It's impossible to make affordable to make a perfect visualization of software that would cover all aspects of projects. This isn't to say that there are certain ways we can provide views into software. We will also talk about software that is visualization later. But taken together, the fact that software is complex, subject to change, conformant to environmental change, invisible and unvisualizable, it's very, very difficult to develop uh, perfect software uh, in a perfect way. Well, that is what we try to do uh, in software engineering. So going back to the idea that software doesn't wear out, let's take a brief look at this diagram here. On, first of all, on the y-axis, we have a failure rate, which essentially says how often does a product fail. 
and on the x-axis from going from the left to the right we have time. And if we look at the idealized curve for software, it might look something like the thick line here. When we have typically when we uh, start distributing a new software system, we might have a high failure rate because it isn't, for example, perfectly tested. But as we go along and we fix bugs, uh, it would slowly go towards zero. However, empirical research shows that this very rarely, if ever, holds true for a typical software system. Instead, a typical actual core of software system failure rates looks something like the uh, inner line above the fixed line, the so-called actual curve here. And what you can see here is that we first start with a very, very high failure rate, and then it starts dropping as we fix bugs. But then at some point in time, we need to make a change. We might need to add some feature or make some other change to the software system. And very often, and very often what happens when we make a change to a software system is that, let's say we make a new bigger release, is that we, the failure rate increases. That is, due to side effects related to the change we have made, the actual failure rate goes up. And then we again go into a cycle of bug fixing. And then we add some new features, and we again uh, can see the actual uh, the failure rate go radically up when we, when we ship a new version. Uh, what is also interesting to note here is that you can see that the actual curve, the so-called baseline here at the bottom, also goes up as time progresses. This is something that uh, can be attributed to uh, a fact called uh, architectural decay. It essentially says that the more we change a software system, the more broken it becomes inside. So architecture deteriorates by all the changes we make to make the software system's internal uh, quality attributes worse, worse. Uh, this is, uh, of course, one reason for agile methodologies, for example, talking so much about refactoring. Refactoring would be the act of keeping uh, the internal structure good, that is changing the uh, code without changing the observable behavior of the software system. The idea here is that uh, this would make the actual curve uh, go, uh, let's say, let at least go up more slowly than it does here. Uh, the actual effects and uh, of uh, or, uh, and effectiveness of uh, refactoring uh, is debatable. But here you can see the main idea, stating very simply. Uh, in a perfect world, we would perhaps, less, almost perfect world, we would have pro some problems in our software system when we ship it. But then as time goes by, we get it fixed. Uh, we would get, get rid of our bugs. However, in practice, when we develop new features to an existing software systems, system and we make changes to it, we both temporarily and also typically uh, in the long term actually make the systems worse. And this is, again, something not related to where uh, that we see uh, when we use physical products, but something that is distinctly, distinctly related to software and software development. OK. So then, of course, we can ask, why do we make, make changes to software? First of all, uh, software typically must be adapted to make new needs of new computing environments, for example, an update to an operating system. Uh, might require changes to our software, or 
changes in technology, for example, we might need to support new hardware. So we must adapt our software to a new environment. Even more uh, common, of course, is the fact that of course is the fact that we must enhance the software to implement the new business requirements. It might be that we have shipped a version of the software, but our customers require uh, new features that we need to make uh, that we need to implement. This is also, of course, something that we end up doing in most real-life situations because we want to be able to charge for upgrades to a software, and that typically requires us to enhance uh, the software system we are working on. A third reason is that we might need to extend software to make it inter inter like it inter interoperable with other modern more modern systems or databases, uh, so we get uh, updates to to databases or uh, other software systems that we need to do. And uh, a fourth reason here, of course, these are the only reasons there might be for it, is that we might need to re-architect the software to make it viable within a network environment. For example. Let's say we have a legacy system uh, and we want to make it available uh, as a service over the web. Now, of course, we can talk about software as a service or cloud computing is a proper what we talk about, proper what we talk about today. So we might want to change the system that we had developed previously to work in the cloud, and that might might uh, require serious rearchitecture. So here are some of the reasons. And are very typical reasons for why software actually needs to change. Why we are very seldom in a situation in which we could actually work with uh, the uh, idealized curve in the previous slide. Now, as I promised uh, uh, previously, uh, there will be small self study assignments. Uh, I will put one one article that uh, I think an old article that is a good and fun read that's uh, called No Silver Bullet, Silver Bullet, which talk about uh, killing the werewolves in the nightmares of people developing software. So this is a really fun article uh, written by an extremely uh, knowledgeable nowadays. He's a professor of software engineering. He used to be a program manager for uh, operating systems development at IBM. And he wrote this fun article about the silver bullets that are used to be that, that can be used to kill werewolves in nightmares of people developing software. And uh, we came to the conclusion that it looks like uh, in the field of software engineering uh, we will have no such silver bullets. So I will post this, uh, this article for you. I do hope that you take the time to, to read it. It's, it's a very thought-stimulating uh, and fun read about uh, what Fred Brooks calls the essence and accident of software engineering. So please take the time. I will post a link to the articles and make it easy for you to, to read this. But I think you will find it both fun and stimulating. OK. That about software. Uh, now let's talk about software engineering. So what then is software engineering all about? The things we are going to talk about during this course. Uh, software engineering can be defined First, we have uh, the, we have two definitions here of software engineering. We have first one uh, that is very commonly used, which is perhaps a bit less formal, and then we have the most formal definition uh, that is uh, typically used, which is uh, defined by the uh, defined by the IEEE Computer Society. But I think it's worthwhile taking a look at both of these. So, uh, first of all, we can understand software engineering as the establishment and use 
of sound engineering principles in order to obtain economically software that is reliable and works efficiently on real machines. So let's take a brief look at the bold words here. First we have sound engineering principles. It means that uh, we try to adhere to certain ways of solving problems that can be that are used by can be that are used by engineers. We will talk about what those principles are later during the course and also how they uh, are can be found in the models and practices that we have developed. But essentially this says that we are not working uh, totally making up how to work uh, as we go along, but there are some underlying principles that we can use to structure and help us in doing software development, doing software development. Now, the scope and a width of different principles that are available in our field is huge. From very, very formal methods that are based on mathematical logic, uh, via very document-heavy processes uh, that require us to document and write uh, loads of paperwork when we develop software, to, on the other end of the spectra, uh, so-called agile methods and lean software development that focus mostly on writing, efficiently writing code with as little documentation as possible. So all of these different approaches from mathematical logic to, to very document-heavy processes to very agile and light processes all uh, capture somehow uh, what we might call sound engineering principles that we can use in software engineering. Uh, the next keyword here is economically. Typically, in software engineering, we would, of course, uh, like to develop the perfect system. And that is something that we typically can do only if we can put an in, uh, infinite amount of money in, and time into a project. So in software engineering, we always also deal with uh, uh, trade-offs. Trade-offs related to time, to features, to quality, to money. So somehow, uh, in software engineering, we always deal with uh, uh, these issues, and we have some constraints under which we need to do our software development. Finally, uh, we want to develop software that is reliable and that works efficiently on real machines in the real world. So software engineering is, uh, uh, is applied science, if you wish. We are talking about doing something in the real world. Uh, as opposed to uh, purely theoretical. So th I think this is a good uh, definition for you to, to remember. It states the essence of what software engineering is all about. Uh, the other definition we have here, uh, given by the IEEE, defines software formally as the application of a systematic, disciplined, and quantifiable approach to the, devel to the development, operation, and maintenance of software. That is the application of engineering to software, and also the study of the approaches related to this. To this. So uh, picking a few uh, keywords here, uh, because uh, systematic and disciplined, I think they are very related somehow to the use of sound engineering, sound engineering principles. Quantifiable, quantifiable uh, means, that there's some, means that there's some way we can measure, some way we can measure what goes on when we develop software. We can measure progress, we can measure quality, uh, we can measure or want to measure things like productivity, for example. So there's some way we can manage software development by using at least certain kinds of uh, measures. And software engineering, as you can see in this uh, 
uh, definition is not only related to uh, development, but also to development operation, that is deployment and, and actually having a system that is working somewhere, and the maintenance to keep maintain the system to keep it working uh, when things change. So software engineering takes all of this uh, into account. In most real life situations, uh, software is developed by teams. So much of what we will be talking about, what we will be talking about during this course, is related to how to develop software when you are not doing it only by yourself, but you are in a project in which other people are involved. So uh, that is something that you might want to keep in mind already uh, at this point in time. There are certain uh, practices and, and engineering principles that have been developed in particular for the individual engineer in software engineering. But most of what we talk about is related to uh, organizational level and team level uh, development. So, <laughs> why should we care about software engineering? Uh, let's first of all state we discussed previously a bit about software and uh, discussed with certain uh, properties that make it difficult to develop software. And if we go out to real life, uh, we can easily see that many, if not most, software development efforts fail either on content, quality, schedule, and or budget. Have you ever, for example, heard of Microsoft really de delivering uh, a software system A that works and B uh, according to the time frame initially promised? I guess not. And of course, uh, that's an easy target, but there are many, many reasons uh, most related to the complexity of software, the complexity of software engineering that explain these failures. So uh, software engineering is about trying to avoid such failures or minimizing them, if you wish. So I think software engineering is very important if we just look at the state of what happens in the industry today. Software engineering is, as I said, mostly about the team level, and most software is actually developed, it's actually developed in teams. So it's important uh, that you uh, study software engineering in order to understand how to to understand how to work with and to work with and manage those teams. Those teams. And one way of viewing software engineering is to say that it's what you need to know in addition to coding. So in addition to coding, there are lots and lots of things you need to do, in particular when you uh, work with a team. And software engineering talks about all these other stuff in addition to coding that you need to understand. And also, to be a successful manager, which I guess many of you will be, uh, on software development, it really does help if you understand the technical aspect as well. Uh, because most coders, as most coders are smart people and they won't trust you as a manager if they really notice that you don't understand a thing or what's going on in the project. You all know this if you are software developers yourself. You don't respect people uh, who you know the, who, who don't understand what you are doing or aren't able to grasp what you are doing. Uh, here is the second uh, sales study assignment for you, and this is a really fun one. Uh, one way to understand why software engineering is important is to look at failures, where things didn't work out the way they should. So this assignment is open-ended. Uh, it's very simple to get started. Just, for example, Google the term software disasters. And you will come up with things like the space shuttle, the space shuttle, Ariane 5. Uh, you will come up with airplanes who crashed, crashed due to software failures. 
You will find medical systems that, in particular, radiation treatment equipment that killed patients due to bugs in the software. Uh, you might think of Sampopanki. I don't know if any of you are customers of Sampopanki. That was a, 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 a great failure, their integration uh, with their banking system. So the world is full of, example of examples of software disasters. So I encourage you to just go Google the term software disasters and uh, read about some of them because that I think was that I think that might help you think about and understand and appreciate the importance uh, of trying to do a better job than what we often do in software engineering. Okay, so now uh, at a more practical level, what are the things we actually talk about in software engineering? Here are just some keywords to stimulate you. So if we first start by looking uh, at the box here in the middle, uh, let's start from the inside. From the inside, there are some certain uh, software engineering basic activities that we can find in all software projects. This would include uh, specification, that is or, or often referred to as requirements engineering. We have requirements management down here, but specification, that is trying to understand what we are going to build. We have definition, often referred to as modeling. Typically, we uh, do the definition, we do modeling related to architecture. So we have architectural modeling, architectural modeling, and we have low-level modeling, for example, class-level modeling. So we try to understand what to build, then we model how to build it by building a software architecture and by modeling the various uh, modules or classes that we need to do. Then we have implementation, which typically is actually writing the code. And often related to implementation is also writing, for example, automated unit tests that we use for regression, writing build scripts, and so on. Then we have testing, trying to uh, check whether the software works or not. And we have installation and maintenance activities. Installation is also often referred to as deployment. So you can find many terms uh, that often refer to these uh, basic activities. But we can say that regardless of the kind of software process or even the size of a project, you will find these activities. Trying to understand what to build, trying to model how to build it, uh, at least making us uh, uh, some kind of structural skeleton, then implementation, testing, installation, and maintenance. These are things we will find in all software projects in the real world. Below this, we have so-called supporting activities. Uh, we have configuration management. Uh, let's talk about configuration management, something uh, that is crucially important to most software development projects. For you, it's often in practice for many coders uh, without a software engineering background, this is mostly visible uh, as uh, version control. So using a CVS or some version, uh, whatever, clear case, uh, lots of systems for this. Uh, configuration management is among other things about version control. And it's also about uh, bug tracking uh, and, and monitoring change tracking. So uh, that's something we will talk more about later during this course. We have overall quality control or anything that goes on, often referred to purification and validation. We have documentation or we have the overall management of the requirements that is managing the, all the stuff that we need to develop in the project. All of these activities, or most of them, are typically uh, encapsulated into a project that, uh, that is managed 
managed by some project management activities. In large system development, uh, we often also uh, might be couple together several projects into some something called programs that consist of several projects and sub-projects. And at the organizational level, uh, we have typically something called process management, which might be visible as a quality system. All of these levels, from process management down to specifics, for example, related to testing or configuration management activities, belong to the field of software engineering. So as you can see here, by see here by looking at this picture, software engineering is a very large field, which also means that during this basic introductory course to software engineering, we won't be able to go into very much detail in general these activities. So the overall uh, purpose of this course is to give you the understanding of all of a, a brief view into all of these different kinds of activities that we have listed here. And the blue words you can see outside the box here, they are, they are just some of the buzzwords or stuff you might we will run into during this course, so you don't need to worry about them yet. Another way of defining what software engineering is, again, just to give you an overview so you know what we will run into later during this course is stated by something called the Swedok, or which means the software engineering body of knowledge. Uh, we won't go into this into detail, uh, but the most important things are the knowledge areas. So you can see very similar words to what we just talked about. The knowledge areas are the basic, the core of software engineering according to the software engineering body of knowledge. It says that software, the main areas we deal with are software requirements, understanding what's built, Software design, how to design what we are building. Software construction, which we used different implementation in the previous slide, that is actually coding the software. Testing, maintenance, configuration management, software engineering process. Processes uh, will be the topic of our next lecture. The software, the software engineering processes basically deal with how to structure uh, temporarily the different uh, basic activities we have in software engineering. We deal with software engineering tools and methods, for example, IDEs like Eclipse, whatever tools we need to use to, to, uh, build, to uh, build our software, and software quality, uh, how to test for and ensure that we get the right level of quality into the software we build. Uh, software engineering as a discipline borrows from very many other fields. So it's related to computer engineering and the computer science, to management, mathematics, project management, quality management even software ergonomics and systems engineering. So these are closely related fields. Uh, we won't be during this course talking more about these fields uh, specifically. But the essence of software engineering is the list to the left here. So that's a good list to uh, be familiar with. Software engineering can also be studied and are studied typically at three different levels. First of all, we can talk about the individual level. So in software engineering, at the individual level, we are interested in what should any individual who is developing software be doing in order to be a good coder or a good developer, which means more than coder, actually. Uh, so uh, we have something called the personal software process that is related to this. 
uh, and we have some design and specification methodologies developed for uh, individual software engineers. And also practices used by the Agile community, for example, such as peer programming, uh, also have a direct impact on the individual level. So at the individual level, the individual level, we are curious about what we can do to make each and every individual as good a software engineer as possible. Most of what we will be talking about during this course is about the team level, uh, the activities that we need to do in projects with teams that develop software. So we have some models for the team software process, and we will talk about the various activities typically performed by teams in software engineering. And the final level uh, that has also uh, that is also uh, that is also very important is the organizational level. That is, how can we, as a big or small organization as a whole, develop a good process for uh, and a good quality system for developing software within our company? So we will be talking about how to assess and improve software processes, how to do process management, and we're also going to talk about uh, quality systems. And uh, this is my last. This is my last slide, which goes back to your uh, reading assignment. Please do read uh, the article. There's no silver bullet. And next Monday, when we have the interactive session, uh, I do hope that we can have a chat about what you learned from that article and uh, what you think about it. Because I do think uh, Fred Wilson makes some very good points there. That there's no silver bullet. There's no single technology, no single process. So. Agile software development won't, won't solve all your software development problems using Scrum, won't, using Scrum won't solve all your problems using Eclipse, won't solve all your problems. There is no single tool, technology, or process uh, that will solve all problems you have in software engineering. But let's discuss that more when you have had the time to read the article. And now I think it's time to turn it over to you. So uh, I'm more than happy if you have any questions or comments at this point in time uh, to talk about them. Let me turn off screen sharing so I can see if you agree to use your headset or chat. Uh, if, you have any uh, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to start talking or chatting. Questions or comments? Did you buy everything I told you? That's of course excellent. <laughs> okay. Okay, if we have no questions or comments, I will just remind you if you later on uh, find that you have any questions, if you want quick answers, please use Twitter. Uh, that is the, the fastest way of getting answers to any and all questions you have, either related to the topic of this session or related to participating in the course or any arrangements or any other kinds of issues you have. Just feel free to be very active. Uh, as I'm not in Finland, it's a bit difficult to meet me physically, but please use all the other ways of communicating that we have uh, specified on our pages. And uh, I will try to solve my video issues and get some uh, downloadable videos uh, for you as soon as possible. I will keep you posted both in Twitter, Facebook, and Netflix, so uh, you should be uh, able to very easily get more information uh, on what happens. And if you haven't got the book, uh, it's a good 
time now to get it. It looks like uh, this. It's, it's even like video live from my window here. Uh, that's better. So it, it looks like this. It's fairly thick. Uh, I do recommend that you get it as soon as possible. And uh, it's a good idea to read about what I talked about today. It was essentially the first chapter in the book. And the next lecture will be on the uh, second and third chapters. So uh, please get the book and read uh, uh, the chapters uh, when you uh, work on the lectures, because that will make it much less uh, uh, difficult for you to follow the course. You will otherwise have uh, a lot to read uh, during the course. Yes, this is, uh, I have a question here. Uh, is that the seventh edition? Yes, this is the seventh edition. Uh, and uh, there have been questions on whether you, need, you can use all the books. Yes, you can, but the questions on the course will be lectured based upon the seventh edition. The seventh edition compared to the sixth edition seems to be fairly much reorganized, and there is also some new material. So uh, the seventh edition is the one that I strongly suggest you get. Any other questions? Okay, if you don't have any further questions. Uh, uh, yes, we have here Francesco, you have a question. Let me turn on your uh, microphone. Okay, now we can. I have a question about the book because I noticed that uh, uh, the 7th edition is available both in what is called paperback and hardback. Are those two versions, two versions the same or? Do you have to buy one of the two in particular? Okay, so I will repeat the question just to make sure that everybody heard it. So the question is if 7th edition is available uh, both in paperback and hardcover, the one I have here is hardcover. Uh, if it's the 7th edition, uh, you should be fine with the paperback version, which I guess is a bit cheaper. So as long as it is the 7th edition, uh, you should be fine. Any other questions? Okay, we have uh, what chapters are we required to read now? So related to this lecture, the one we just talked about, uh, that's chapter one only. So this is a very, very short uh, uh, read for you. It's 26 pages, but I recommend that you do read it quickly. It's a quick and easy read. Uh, chapter one only for this lecture. And the next lecture uh, will be on chapter two. So uh, uh, this will be to get you started uh, very short reads related to the lectures. There will be a bit more later when we have the book goes into much more detail than we are able to cover during the lectures, but we will talk about that when we, we will talk about that when we get there. But for these first but for these first lectures, uh, just read now for this lecture the first chapter. Any other questions? Questions? Okay, if not, now I stop I'm going to stop the recording.